0: Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. It's been a sombre week in Scotland, but there will be fireworks in Edinburgh this weekend. That's right, Hibs face hearts. Who is the more nervous of the two? The Derby is the headliner, but Motherwell are trying to make their way onto the main stage. Plus, could Kelly be kicking into gear? And there have been more managerial movements in the SPFL. We check in with the Norwegian branch of the Stenhouse Muir Supporters Club. I'm Andrew Slaven, and alongside me in the studio, there's no way I could do this podcast without them. From The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull, and from Copper 90 it's Finnmark. What's good? That was fast, pacey. Finn,
1: how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how I could work in a joke about Chris Iwolumu um, into that. That's just, when I hear the word Norway, I just think of Chris Iwolumu's. And the miss. Yeah. That's it. But I, I couldn't think of one.
2: I
0: think that's what he thinks about every time he sleeps. Yeah. But I hope not.
2: I hope, he's, I hope he doesn't think about it all the time. Because, like, you know, when you miss like a sitter or a penalty, like a penalty in five a side, you <laughs> think about it for weeks after.
1: No. I, I, I'm, not, I well, I'm with you because yeah. I, I remember really? I remember oh, yeah. missing a chance on the playground in primary school. Yeah, should have scored, and our team would have won the match. I still have. It doesn't matter. About but
2: that. I still think about these things
1: yeah. all
0: the time. Do you know why yeah. I don't think about penalty misses? Because I don't take them. Slavens <laughs> don't take penalties. <laughs> We're going to start with the biggest game of the weekend, the Edinburgh Derby on Sunday. Defeat at home to Motherwell last Saturday saw Hearts sink to the bottom of the table and hundreds of protests outside Tynecastle demanding Craig Levine's resignation. Anthony Brown from the Edinburgh Evening News joins us now. This time a year ago, Hearts were top with five wins out of five. What's gone wrong in the last 12 months? Where do you start?
3: Uh, I think we can probably trace the demise back to the League Cup semi final at the end of August at the end of October rather. Um Stephen Naismith pulled up injured in the second minute, I think it was. And from then on things have never been the same for Hearts. Up until that point they were six points clear at the top of the league. And then ever since then it's just been one thing after another, poor form over a sustained period. Um, they've obviously been massively hindered by injuries. I know every team gets injuries, but Hearts have had a really extreme. It's just a catalogue of serious injuries. Hearts fans aren't even surprised anymore, or it's just a matter of course that a key player will be ruled out every couple of weeks, it seems. So obviously that's taken a toll, but obviously there comes a point where you just have to rise above the injuries and find a way of getting through it. Hearts have got a good squad, they've got a very deep squad. And the bottom line is they should have been performing a whole lot better than they have done over the past 10, 11 months. And it's obviously at a point now where there's a bit of mutiny among the support.
2: Do you think even if Hearts win on Sunday that Craig Levine's doomed? because Budge Budge's back to him, obviously. The fans aren't too happy.
3: Yeah, it's definitely antagonised the support, that statement that came out yesterday. I mean... It- I feel he's doomed in the sense that I can't see him reversing the mood of the support. Whether that means he's going to lose his job in the next couple of weeks, I don't know, because Anne seems totally behind them at the minute. Craig, obviously, has no intention of walking away at this point. So unless they can somehow get on a run from Sunday onwards, I mean, they will have to probably win on Sunday, probably win against Aberdeen, and then sustain it to have any chance of turning the mood round. But ultimately, I mean, I think the mood's just going to get more and more toxic with each passing defeat as time goes up and there will surely come a point where things come to a head but whether that will be in the next couple of weeks whether that will be in the next couple of months or if Craig Levine can somehow get this team on a run as I said, he's probably going to have to do what he did at the start of last season and go on some sort of 5-10 game unbeaten run just to get some sort of harmony back around the club because right now it's at rock bottom
1: And what about Hibs as well? Paul Heckenbottom started pretty well went 10 games unbeaten do you reckon a derby win would kind of quieten the dissenting voices in the Hibs fans' ranks? I think the difference between Hibs and
3: Hearts at the moment is with Hearts, you can see there's a squad there that could take off. With Hibs, I'm not convinced there is at this moment in time. Hearts have players to come back from injury. As I say, if you can get Naismith and Machino in the team, they should, in theory, catch fire, regardless of concerns about the manager. They should start to pick up results. Whereas with Hibs, I'm just not convinced they've got the squad to get the results that the fans want and expect. The recruitment has been, at best, underwhelming. None of the new signings, with the possible exception of Scott Allen, have made any real impact so far. And it's hard to see. With Hearts, you know they've got high-pedigree players in there that should come good, whereas with Hibs, I just don't quite see it yet. I don't really see how they're going to take off.
2: It's not great for Edinburgh as a whole, really. Um, What's the mood like in the city?
3: No, it's pretty grim. And to be honest, it's not an enjoyable period To be covering the two clubs, I know a lot of people like the scandal and all that, but to be honest, I'm finding that a bit of a drag just week after week. Grim performances, managers and players downbeat and having to defend themselves. And it's pretty sad because Hearts and Hibs both seem to be on a real upward curve a few years ago when they went into the Championship, rebuilt, and they, they were both on the march. And it just seems to have totally ground to a halt at both clubs. And I suppose there's an argument that they're both regressing now, depending how things go from here on. It's very grim times and it's only going to get grimmer after Sunday for at least one of the clubs. Hibs,
0: without a league win since the opening day of the season, dead even in last season's derbies, one win apiece, two draws. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I can't wait for this game, actually. I really can uh, I think there's so much at stake for both sides. I think probably more at stake for hearts I'd say given that they're having to go to Easter Road they're currently bottom and they've been playing so poorly but I can't remember a time actually in the last couple of seasons where I've just been as a neutral to this game mm-hmm. so excited just to see what happens because something's got to give either way
2: both teams are seriously underperforming both teams don't really know what they're doing yet I think Ann Budge's statement is quite uh, interesting that it's come out she now she won't budge <laughs> Stefan
0: Binkowski points out, Hibs are conceding 2.6 goals per game. Hearts are conceding 2.2. The question on Hibs has been that they are soft. Paul Heckenbottom said it himself so far. Hearts are a much more physical side. So if Hearts just batter Hibs physically then either they'll get so many men sent off that Hibs will win
1: by default
0: or um, maybe Hibs will just find a way through it.
1: I think it's just it's difficult to tell which Hibs is going to turn up on the day because going forward they can be brilliant and we've seen in in flashes this season they're actually really good going forward. It's just there are some games where the defending is kamikaze. You're like, that shouldn't be something that a professional footballer does what you've just done. I think
2: too many people go forward and don't consider all the possibilities that could happen at any time they're only thinking of like I'm in attack mode now and now I am defending that is something that needs to address also they want to have someone in midfield who may be a bit hardy but there's no one there really I wonder if we would move like some sort of defender into midfield I don't know if anyone would be able to do that you mentioned
0: Budgie's statement and she says we have to stick with the plan
2: and she points to injuries right and so if their long-term plan is to sign players like build a squad that's capable of competing and push for the things they want to be competing for. They need those players available, so they're missing about eight first-team players, like probably the ones who would start straight away, right? I went through it trying to work out, like, how do you possibly account for it? John Suter rolled his ankle, That's injury kicked him out for a while, and he tore his hip muscle. So muscular injuries can, you can generally lead them to being overloaded in training with too much fitness work. Um, but a lot of this is accidental. Ek a broken foot, was out for five months last season, right? Stephen Naismith, he's a tight hamstring, I mean that's muscular torn meniscus. Didn't know what that was until the other week. Do you know what meniscus is? I have no so idea. Knee. Some cereal. Something in the knee. <laughs> it's a cereal that you buy from Tesco. <laughs> Dimitri Mitchell, uh torn meniscus, so another muscular one out six months. And again, like these like Connor Washington as well, th- he's
0: now out for three
2: months. Three months. Yeah. To- Jimmy Walker, broken leg, accidental. Peter Haring's obviously su- uh, suffering with like pelvic issues. Uh, he a hernia had a I last year, didn't he? Yeah. But then Christoph Bayer is a hamstring. Michael Smith the a thigh muscle. Um, Callum Morrison is a meniscus. So like some of these are accidental. broken foot, broken legs, like that. that's totally accidental. You can't plan for that. But if the training load is if they're being overworked and getting these muscle injuries, that's something that you need to look at coaching wise. But you still can't predict it. And I don't believe for one second that Craig Levine isn't a good enough coach to know how to manage these things, and they must
1: work with sports scientists as well. I kind of agree with you, JJ, from reading Anne Budge's statement, it's like when you remember where Hearts were three or four years ago, and the kind of mess that they were in, kind of post-Romanov and all that kind of stuff, it's just, I I, I get it from a business side, but Running a football club is not the same as running a different type of business, so you have to look at them as special cases. Which weirdly, she even mentioned in her statement. I I think it is. It's that combination of uh, there's bad luck and stuff like that. I think they really missed Naismith because I think he's just he's one of the best players in the Premiership through sheer ability and experience alone. But you kind of can't build your team around a guy who's only fit for half the season and that his muscle problems are well known. I think, actually, Machino was great, I thought, against Motherwell. He really looks like mm. he's going to give them a bit going forward and that might give them the impetus. And obviously, it's a derby match. You just don't know what will happen because you might just get that little bit of edge because it's a derby match and you just can't lose.
0: Well, obviously, we should say get well soon to Jim Jeffries uh, guest on this podcast last season the former Hearts manager suffered a heart attack while playing golf on Monday so get well soon Jim Uh, and we move on unfortunately to more bad news this time from Glasgow
1: Rickson fires it out
0: Yes, Wednesday brought the incredibly sad news that former Rangers captain Fernando Rickson had passed away due to motor neuron disease. David Edgar from the Heart and Hand podcast joins us now. David, this has obviously been an emotional time for Rickson's family and for Rangers Football Club. Just try and sum up what he meant to you as a supporter.
4: As a supporter, I love the guys that you think if they weren't on the field, they'd be up in the stand with you, watching the game and You know, going out before it and just being one of us and that's how Fernando played, he played like one of us the way we dream, if we were footballers we would play, where he gave you everything, every game, didn't matter didn't matter what the score was, didn't matter where it was, you got 100% from him and he would occasionally make a mistake or get involved in something that was, you know, maybe he he would get a red card or whatever but that's because he was real, that's because he wasn't this perfect human being, and the fans loved that even more about him. There are players that play for your club that you admire, and they have tremendous skill, and while they're there, it's great, but there are guys that get into your heart, and Fernando Rixon was was one of them, because, as I say, he he was real.
0: Rickson joined in 2000 and pretty much had the worst possible start uh, in that 6-2 defeat to Celtic, subbed after 21 minutes. Do you think back then that he would have came back from that?
4: Back then, uh, the whole team was falling apart rapidly. Uh, it, it really, within one summer, went from being a team that had won five trophies out of six to couldn't, couldn't beat anybody. And he arrived into that and got blamed for a lot of it, along with Bert Conterman. It wasn't really his fault. Uh, I think there'd been a lot of problems within the dressing room under Dick Advocat. But, yeah, I mean, when you when you lose 6-2 and you get subbed 20 minutes into an Old fun match, then there's going to be questions. There's going to be questions about whether or not you're big enough to play for Rangers, whether you've got the mentality to play for Rangers. And, look, there's a lot of skillful players, really talented players, that have gone on and played in other leagues, better leagues, Um, But they've not been able to cope with the demands of playing for Rangers. So the mental strength to come back from that and to say, OK, I'll learn from that and I'll use it to become a better player. I think that tells you a lot about the character of the man, because there are a lot of people who would have gone into their shell never to emerge and Rangers just wouldn't have been for them. He wasn't. He didn't. Didn't let that happen to him at all. And after a a, a really slow start to his Rangers career, by the end of the season, he was playing well. By the next season, he he got even better. And I think that that summed him up when a lot of people would have just said, I've made a mistake coming here. Can I get a move? Remember, he was a Dutch international. There would have been clubs after him. He didn't do that. He said, no, I'll, I'll knuckle down. I need to learn how to succeed at this club. And again, like, go back to my first point, the people who can do that, because that, that's real life, isn't it? You get challenged, it doesn't maybe go your way automatically. How do you cope with it? Well, when we see somebody who does that, then you just love them.
2: It's worth remembering that Fernando Rickson was captain of uh, Rangers on Helicopter Sunday. He was, also on, that was in 2005 and he was the SPFA Player of the Season that year after moving into midfield.
4: He was tremendous. I always thought he was a better midfielder uh, than a fullback because he had the energy and the drive. Um, and, and don't forget, he was a Dutch, as I mentioned, Dutch international. He could play. Um, he was he was terrific with the ball at his feet, but he could score goals, he could bust forward, and he could inspire the side. And that season was important. People forget in Helicopter Sunday and all the excitement around it that there were times that season it was very rocky for Rangers. We'd had a pretty poor season the year before. And in the September, Alex McLeish for about a month was one game away from the sack. And Fernando Rickson at one point actually saves his job by scoring the winner in a cup tie at Aberdeen, which had Rangers lost, I've got no doubt Alex McLeish would have been fired. Rickson was the one constant throughout that season. Fernando drove the team over the line. And as as you mentioned, he won the player of the year because he played at just an incredible level for that whole season. And I think that that really goes down as, as his title triumph because he was really the man of the match more often than not. I mean, for, for our podcast, we've gone back and watched a lot of the those matches and he is the heartbeat of that side. He was a leader. And then something else I think that, that should be taken as a measure of the man. In the summer, he gave up the captaincy. Didn't need to, but he gave it up to Barry Ferguson who'd come back um, because he knew how much the club meant to Barry, a lifelong supporter. That's classy. Another thing about his his illness was his prognosis when he was first diagnosed was six months, and he battled it for six years, during which time he led a campaign to raise money and raised hundreds of thousands of pounds. When faced with that challenge, which the courage it took to do that, and not only to fight the disease himself but to actually then say and not only am I going to do this for me I'm going to raise awareness and I'm going to raise money and hopefully I'll play a part in ending this disease one day I think shows you what, uh, what type of human being he was he made a difference to lots of people's life and one day when we do get closer to a cure for this he'll have played his part in it and I can't think of a, a bigger tribute to pay to him than that
1: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Rangers were in action against
0: Feyenoord in the Europa League at Ibrox on Thursday night. Gerard versus Stam. Finn watched it for us. Here he is now.
1: Rangers won Feyenoord nil. Rangers get their Europa League group off to the best possible start with a really impressive win over Feyenoord at a pretty bouncing Ibrox. Rangers actually get a penalty for a handball inside the box, but James Tavernier, when you expect him to score, didn't even get it on target. He puts it wide, and at that point, you're kind of wondering, are Rangers going to be able to to step up here and put that out of the minds? And they absolutely did. For the next half hour, they were absolutely magnificent. Arfield and Ojo in particular were excellent for Rangers, they just didn't give Finard any time on the ball, and they got the rewards for their hard work during the, the first half when Shea Ojo picks the ball up about twenty-five yards from goal and unleashes an absolute rocket into the net. It's Ojo! It's an absolute cracker! What a What a, what a... came out pretty determined at the start of the second half. They had a few kind of half chances from a series of corners and actually, in truth, the second half felt a bit more scrappy, although it was still being played at this pretty frenetic pace. I thought Morelos and Hellander were particularly good for Rangers tonight. I think that might have been Borna Barisic's best game in a Rangers shirt, but it's um, it's Alan McGregor that Rangers have really got to thank for all three points because he pulled off a couple of really big saves I do wonder if goal difference might play a part in this group later on but on a night when Rangers were kind of remembering and celebrating the life of Fernando Rixon I think they'll feel that they've done their former captain's memory proud with a really brilliant performance and result which leaves them joint top of the group after one game with Porto Thanks Finn. welcome back to the studio
0: Let's talk about the next date in Rangers' calendar a trip to St Johnston on Sunday Uh, The Saints moved off the bottom of the table With that point against Aberdeen But they're still waiting for their first win What do we think?
2: Well, Rangers uh, have just played their Europa League game So you think there might be a bit of squad rotation for that They should be the favourites by uh, a mile However, they have struggled to break down teams And create chances And St Johnston were very good at denying Aberdeen chances uh, Last week now, I think so. it's will to do exactly the same thing. Try and be hard to put down, very compact, deny them space so they can't get any shots at goal. Uh, Gerrard will have to find a way to stop that being a thing. And uh, it'll probably be three Borangers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, th- I think that's the thing. I, I mean, I expect Rangers to win it. But I think whilst there's been a few games this season where you could say Rangers haven't quite been at their, their best, they are finding a way to win games where last season, I think, like the opening game at Killy, I think they would have drawn last year. Yeah. I actually think that game against Livy at the weekend, that might have been a draw last year as well. But mm-hmm. Rangers are just grinding out results, and that's what they need to do if they if they want to have a tight race with Celtic and just try and stay up well, there. Well, they, they, they
0: ground out this fixture last season. It was a last gasp alfredo Morelos winner um, at McDermott Park. But um, they are without Ryan Kent, the big money sign-in uh, that came in just before the window closed a hamstring
1: injury out for a few weeks. Do we know how many yet? I think it'll just be a couple of weeks. I think the thing is, because he was out um, with a hamstring injury, this the same one for a little bit last season as well. Um, there were quite a few Rangers fans having a go at Gerrard for starting him against Livy, but I don't think that was the reason that he pulled it. It's just, it's, it's a muscle thing. And I think it's just one of those injuries you get in football I think he just wanted it so much he was overstretching himself overrunning, pushing himself too hard and I think I mean it is a blow to Rangers because I think he is by far the best option they have on the left and it's also a bit of a shame because Jordan Jones is out just now as well Brandon Barker's come in he hasn't played much football since he left Hibs it could be interesting to see w- what happens I think you might even see Jamie Murphy being kind of fast fast tracked back into yeah. the team at some point Scottish teams have a long and
2: proud history of success in Europe. Celtic, champions in 67. Aberdeen, UEFA Cup winners in 83, beating Real Madrid in the final. And it'll continue this season with uh oh no, wait, Celtic are out after losing at home to uh Cluj. But thankfully with Paddy Power's money back specials, not all your mistakes cost you as much. Get money back as a free bet on football every week. See on site for the latest. Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. Selected markets only. T's and C apply. 18plus.
1: On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Two of last season's top three meet on Sunday as Celtic take on Kilmarnock. Neil Lennon's side kicked off their Europa League campaign with a trip to Rennes and it finished
2: 1-1 in France. JJ, a great result from Celtic But they
0: had to come from behind
2: uh, Yes, it is a great result though Because Wren are a decent team Celtic were tipped to get hee-haw from this game <laughs> Hee-haw McGraw
0: They came back from a goal down via a penalty Two penalties in this game yeah. uh, James Forrest drew the foul inside the box But it was Ryan Christie with the honour of putting the ball into the net
2: Decent penalty as well it all went a bit nuts at the end as uh, the referee seemed to lose a bit of control and Renner getting really wound up when Johnny Hayes went flying into tackle. He won it cleanly. Yep. It was 50-50 because um, Traore, wasn't it? Yeah, the I right think back. it was, yeah. So yeah, he, he let the ball loose, so it a loose touch and Hayes went slamming in and he and really the, caught his leg. The player like rolled around like kids, didn't he? And he threw his I shin
0: thought, pad out. And it was really I sore, thought they were going like, to
2: do a close-up of him and his leg has come off or something. Like, well, like it's done those bits where it's like an, an L shape now. Yeah. Like in a cartoon. But, I mean, he got smashed, but he didn't like it. Uh, and then there was a bit more drama at the very end. Vacuum
0: Bio, I think he was brought on near the end just to kind of, you know, stifle things a little bit, a bit more energy up front, because everyone's obviously just running well, around. Well, behind the balloons. ball a
2: lot of the time because Ren had a lot of the ball, so it, it makes sense to be tired. And you've been running the channel the whole time. Eduard had been done, doing that all night, so you need to... Uh, have some legs just to chase down the first man with the ball to show them where you want. Exactly, perhaps.
0: but this, this incident at, at the end, the second yellow for a late challenge on the goalkeeper, it's a bit of a 50-50. The, the intent to get the ball is there and the Wren players surrounded the referee, not for the first time, this was like the fourth or fifth time. The crowd are up in arms about mm-hmm. all these challenges from Celtic and it looks like
2: the referee had kind of given in to the atmosphere I don't know I think the ref had an okay game I think he got mostly everything right I know our uh, our good friend Kieran Canning said that he'd been comically bad but I don't know I think it, Was I, it
0: the right decision for a second yellow?
2: Well this is the thing that the first yellow is a yellow right yeah the second, the goalkeeper's not caught it nor punched it away and it's just been dropped and it's bounced loose. It's a 50-50 chance. You have to go for it. Both players go in. The keeper gets there just a half, like quarter of a second before Bio does. And then Bayo goes to try and kick the ball doesn't get it and i think the side of his foot like brushes the boy's face or something yeah i don't think we saw
0: touches we didn't see an angle that that showed that perfectly but it it just seemed to me that when the player surrounded the referee to go look i I fully expected to get a close-up of the goalkeeper's face and maybe there's that cut and then you could be like right well it's dangerous play but the fact of the matter is the intent to to reached the ball was there. It was so fifty-fifty. I know it's but
2: hard. he does catch him t- and t- he is, is late, so technically maybe it's a yellow card, but he goes over the referee goes over to the, the plate, see what's going on, and then he seems to make up his mind and go with it. The stadium's all going nuts. I think the referee's made his yeah. mind up. He's had time to think about it. I mean And and, and in fine. the end
0: in the end. A point away from home is, is is a good point for Celtic when you consider, you know, nobody gave them a chance in hell. But elsewhere in group E, Cluj beat Lazio. Who would have put that result out there? Unbelievable. But um and it's a Celtic
2: thing- v clues next at yeah. Celtic Park. It- a little bit of revenge perhaps. Just cuz Lazio were bigger than the 90s doesn't mean they're the same team that they are now. Like teams do change. You know like Man United are in the
0: Europa League. But you know with the pot system, Lazio were in, you know, the higher pot than anyone else. Sure. So you, you, but that's obviously because they come from a much more prestigious league, so that's that's why that is Five wins out of five in the Premiership Is Celtic's best start For nine years Kelly haven't tasted victory well, they at Celtic Park <laughs> <laughs> You never know Kelly haven't tasted victory at Celtic Park Since Kenny Shields' side won 2-0 In Glasgow seven years ago Four games unbeaten for Kilmarnock though In all competitions Kenny Shields. Four clean sheets Yeah, do you remember Kenny Shields? <laughs> You remember his his son, yeah, Dean Shields, Dean is Shields dad bro. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, what do we think about Kumanik holding Celtic at bay after everyone was bashing Angelo Alessio? Actually, his side's doing all right
2: now. Uh, they've got some results. I don't think they'll be that much better. Like that, we're talking about the training thing that Kurt Broadfoot's on about. Is it sounds like he's been focusing on shaping, which is uh, meant to be quite dull, but very important when you're trying to change the way your team is playing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the players in that squad who are capable of doing it. They didn't bring in enough Juventus loanies <laughs> to possibly transition that way. And I think Celtic would be too good for them. Uh, but in saying that, you look at the start of the season, how well they did against Rangers, and they sat deep very well. Mm-hmm. They still have the remnants of the Steve Clark defence, unless you'll know how to set up a really like tight Catanazio mm. uh, def- defence. Let's stay a bit more positive in Koemanek. Talk All about right. Stephen O'Donnell.
0: He might be... Pretty rubbish for Scotland, but he can play the passes at Kilmarnock.
1: The Ronaldo of right-back?
0: No. No? It's no, no, well, not, not there do yet. Do you
1: think it's a better pass than Scott Allen, which was lauded as passive this season on many outlets? I, I, I much prefer a reverse pass than just a long ball, but it was, it looked good. It looked it really good really One thing I, I wondered watching it, because it's a, it's a sublime spot by O'Donnell, but I was wondering if that was on a grass pitch I think it might have just run out of play I know what it, you if mean. you look at the way the ball just yes. kind of like stops dead in front of the, the striker well I mean, let in a no way, way.
2: He's, he's just perfectly researched that that, that ball he which knows makes me think that,
1: are we missing a trick not playing on a plastic pitch with the Scotland national team because <laughs> I really think that's where Steve Clark could come into his own <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's a really good point yeah obviously
2: that game was against Hibbs, wasn't it yeah so and no it's no this one, long it? ball from, from right back that goes about 70 yards across diagonal. the pitch yeah, yeah and uh, a sets up a goal place. Superb uh, Stephen O'Donnell's Their top scorer I think it's one of Their only scorers Actually But um, Why that's... is Stephen O'Donnell So good for
0: Comanek and not, not Scotland
1: Because it's a different level It is It's a huge step up To international level I just I just don't think He's good enough I, I, As hard as he tries I think he really tries He's just He's not an international Footballer I still think Callum Patterson Should be in the He's a striker. Now no, though. I know. He's I know. I know. But he's he's got that that knowledge of how to, how to actually play true. right back at that level and against that level of opponent. But I will
2: I will re- I'll take that and I will raise you a Graham Shinney playing at left back for Scotland after having abandoned the position for a while. So I was going to raise the disaster that was.
1: I was going to raise Graham Shinnie as a joke, um, playing it right back. Like why not? He's <laughs> I feel he won't
2: get in the team again <laughs> no. now. He can't get in the Derby team not no. at all. Can't get in the squad. Did but anyone see um, the head
0: knock with uh, Christopher Julian last week? Is that a movie? <laughs> <laughs> head knock. <laughs> it does sound like a Jason Statham movie Christopher doesn't it?
2: Julian, head knock, stirring Danny DeVito as I don't know I've The no Rat
0: <laughs> Christopher Julian in Head Knock um, No, took a bang to the head against Hamilton He thought Neil Lennon was Boris Becker oh, That's not as funny as uh, <laughs> I
2: thought that, yeah. But he, he did play last night against Wren So he, he's alright Well obviously he's passed the stringent concussion tests That made him that's right. undertake Because he wouldn't be allowed to play otherwise uh, he's been excellent by the way he's really he came in well he only really announced himself um, against Rangers he walked in and said hello <laughs> yeah well he, he didn't really play that
0: much until then and that was probably his biggest game
2: he's been integrated into the team but he's really stood out because he does stand out because he's massive <laughs> yeah he's a unit uh, but he can play as well can
5: play
0: Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. Lee, it's Hibbs versus Hearts on Sunday. These were tight affairs last season. Which way is this going?
6: Yeah, and it's tight and betting all right. Neither team have made a total suspicious start to the season, but Hibs will be glad to return to Easter Road for this one. They've shipped 11 goals in their three away fixtures, gaining no points, while all four points they picked up have come at home, which is probably why they're the 7-5 favourites here. Whereas for winless Hearts, there are fewer positives to talk about though they haven't had a problem scoring goals recently. They're 9-5 to to win this one with a draw at 9-4. to And if you do fancy both teams to score, it's 7-2 to that happens in conjunction with a Hibs win here. As for who might score those goals, Stephen Naysmith is a favourite to break the deadlock at 11-2, to while Christian Doidge is the best-priced Hibs player, despite not yet scoring in the league. Motherwell are on fire, third in the table. What are the odds of them staying there? Well, what can I say? This is what happens when you sign up to an exceptional sponsorship deal and have the sexiest kits in the land. Or, you know, a quite good manager and, and good squad. Um, so why not? Aberdeen and Kilmarnock would lead the bet in here. Uh, it's still early stages, of course, in this season. We give Motherwell a 9-1 to one chance of finishing third. But they're exciting to watch. They're involved in more goals and ranges than Premiership so far. And they've scored three times in each of their last three games. Plus, their odds on to win again this weekend. Ross County come to play. St
0: Merin games haven't exactly been goal fests this year, have they? How many times will the net ripple against Hamilton tomorrow?
6: Well, maybe I have to take your word for that one because our traders seem to be optimistic about this one, which is always nice. Uh, it's massively odds on there's one goal or more at 1-20 to and it's similarly odds on that there's two goals or more and that's 3-10. The odds do go beyond evens for three goals or more, perhaps understandably at 11-10. to but at these prices, we think there could be goals in this game. St Mirren, by the way, are odds on to win this one. Hamilton
0: 4-1. We saw the second and third managerial seconds of this season in the SPFL this week. We'll be speaking about Gary Caldwell in a moment. The other dismissal was at Stenhouse Muir, where Colin McMenamin parted company with the club after 10 months in charge. The love of Scottish football spreads far and wide, which is why I'm pleased to be joined by the chairman of the Norwegian Stenhouse Muir Supporters Club, George Matheson. George, welcome to the show, and tell me, this love affair with the
5: Warriors, it started on Teletext, is that right? Yes, it did. And it survived longer than Teletext. So we're quite proud of that. Basically, a couple of guys came home from a New Year's Eve party and they decided to wind down with a look at the football results on BBC Teletext. And one of them said, hey, that's a cool name. And the other one said, yeah, let's make a supporters club. (laughs) (laughs) So they did. You know, it's uh, I'm not quite sure about linguistics here, but it could have been a Norwegian name. So we, we feel some connection that way, too.
1: So what does Stenhouse kind of translate as then in Norwegian?
5: Well, Sten is like stone. We say it's, it's the same in Norwegian. And house, of course, uh, we would say hus as in Scottish. But uh, the Muir part is, uh, sometimes we would confuse that with a brick wall. But I understand it's actually a marsh or a bog. But uh, so Muir, that would be in Norwegian. <laughs> so how long ago was that? Uh, a bit more than 25 years Wow. wow, that's
2: great. And not just, it's not just you, you watch them or anything, like you've uh, backed the club financially as well, right? The main stand is now known simply as the Norway stand.
5: <laughs> yes, we do. Like We, we, we try to meet up uh, roughly every month, uh, either in Norway or in Scotland, and on a couple of occasions we have some fundraising and send the money to the club, uh, hoping to support, support them uh, uh, a bit financially too.
2: How do you uh, meet up to watch it then? Do you get like a, a stream of the games or something else? How, how do you watch it?
5: <laughs> well, I'm afraid most of the time we, we have to just watch live updates on the BBC and Sky on, on- online, so we don't, don't oh. really get to follow, follow many other matches. And uh, if there is a BBC on those very few occasions where it's possible to see on TV, we can't watch it because we haven't got the BBC uh-huh. uh, ah. license.
1: You do tend to travel every now and again over to Okovie. I'm just kind of curious, what, what is the match day experience for the Norwegian supporters group when you come over? Are there you know, any locals that you travel to? What, what does a match day look like for you?
5: Yeah, well, we always uh, meet up with locals and have a chat. So uh, the match day for for me personally, that's really the high point of any trip. We tend to stay locally, of course, at the station hotel in Larbot, and then we try to walk to Falkirk, which is some roughly four miles walk in the morning after breakfast. And, uh then there are a couple of pubs we need to visit, and then we go to to View, to have a drink in the wee bar and talk to, to talk to the people we know from every every time we come over.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so McMenamin took over in November, and the club was then relegated to League Two, and now they're near the bottom of League Two. So a lot of fans in aren't particularly happy about that. But what about you? What do you think of what's going on just now?
5: Yeah, well, it's it's really sad to see the results lately. So we really hope for. Some change to come there. It's like uh, I, I believe we 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 really ought to fight for promotion to the championship and not uh, the bottom level of uh, of League Two. So yeah, that's we're not happy about the situation, but always optimistic, of course.
0: Did you ever meet me, Manamin?
5: Oh yes, yeah, several times he's been a good, good, good man to us, always friendly, always talkative always uh, happy to meet us so I will miss him. I went uh, on my own to see the New Saints in Challenge Cup recently and that was a good game and just nodded to Colin then but uh, we are all coming over to see the match uh, 2nd of November and uh, of course we're, I, we're quite happy that they are the stake in trim charge because uh, in his period as, as permanent manager. I think the club uh, played some of the best football I've ever seen them do, so I hope we can uh, get some of that back into the team. Gary Caldwell was also sacked by
0: Partick Thistle. The SAS days are over, JJ. Yay. This is, this is uh, I'm basically saying, remember when Gary Caldwell took his players on a day out uh, to like an army camp and then the SAS came in and kidnapped them all <laughs> Yeah, bit
2: team building there it's a bit of team building I think you got to think outside the box he certainly did um, he's had a terrible time just, I don't know it'll not look good in the CV that because he like he took over um, they just managed well they just survived finishing sixth but it was really tight the last bit of the season um, they haven't started well at all They're winless this season and they were in the premiership 16 months ago Now, I wonder what will happen, because obviously Kenny Miller's come in (laughs) to... Kenny Miller, manager slayer. Here he is, manager slayer. <laughs> Kenny Miller. Said, did you see?
1: Because there was that amazing stat that was doing around on Twitter. Since he returned to Rangers in June 2014, Kenny Miller has seen off ten different managers, including himself.
2: <laughs> is that right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think wow. five of them were at Rangers. So. He's like that guy, like a Disney movie or something.
2: It's like yes, uh, well, there's- yes, a uh, great idea. Yes. It <laughs> leads him down like a tunnel, and he's ah oh, now you're locked in, and I am the manager now, and
1: then, until he gets in charge of. Uh, He's yeah, like he's like yeah. Igor, but just a bit more tanned.
2: Yeah, he runs the channels more. Oh, my God. Well, there are a few names
0: in the heart. And uh, I've seen Danny Lennon, Clyde Manager. He's been linked with that. And um, uh, who was the other one
1: as well? Uh, I think because like, Ian, McCaul, Ian uh, McCall. United, from area, and yeah, I think true. also Jim Duffy's kind of been in that conversation. But I think that's the kind of... It, it's weird because I, I didn't think Caldwell necessarily was a bad appointment. It hasn't worked out. But he did have some sort of pedigree. He was relegated after being only given a few games uh, at Wigan and he was also relegated at Chesterfield I think it was Chesterfield but he also won promotion straight away with Wigan to get them back into the championship from League One at the first time of asking so he has got ability it just didn't work out but I think maybe it's just that level of Scottish football it's just it's a different ball game and I think if you are somebody with the kind of the steady hand of McCall or Duffy or someone like that then that might be what Thistle need at the moment
0: I was reading an interview with Chick Charley, former Thistle player saying that perhaps it could have been a situation where he thinks it's a situation where Caldwell lost the faith of the players The well, personalities didn't yeah. match up
2: it could be a lot of management is down to man management I mean you can talk all the tactics nonsense you want but a lot of it is how you get a group of players together and playing for you picking the right people at the right times one person who might be able to do that though is Partick chairman David (laughs) Beatty because he's used to navigating his way out of tricky situations and showing genuine leadership but I was looking at this
0: so I found this and it's on Wikipedia and there is an episode with a David Bt, but I haven't seen that episode to <laughs> confirm that it is him. But it is on his Wikipedia page.
2: So just to summarize what I said there, the reason he's good at navigating trick situations is because he was a team captain on the Crystal Maze in 1991. Yes.
1: That's
0: outstanding. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm going to find that episode and and, and, uh, and watch it, see how, how well they got on. You're, said that you're going
2: to find that episode? Yeah. Where? Online. You can't find individual episodes of the
1: Crystal Maze online, can you? Yeah, of course you can. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. They're flying at Forth Park as
0: Motherwell get ready to host Ross County on Saturday. Three wins on the spin, up to third in the table, and they'll go second for 24 hours at least with a win. They've beat Hibs and Hearts in the last two games. Are Motherwell the most exciting team in the league right now?
1: Yes. Yes, 100%. I I actually I marked them out at the start of the season definitely to finish within the top six, uh, and I know they started the league with a little bit of a stutter, but they were so good in the early stages of the league cup, and not just in a way like of you know they're predominantly playing teams that might not be in the the Premier Premier League, but um, just you can tell just the movement and the way that they worked and stuff, and it was interesting because at the weekend uh, I, I was watching the Norwich City mm. Man City game mm-hmm. with a mate who's a Norwich fan and. Watching Motherwell just now kind of reminds me of the way that Norwich attack. So they just—it's it, the fluidity the way that they play. They're quite calm. They have a, a, an intent when they when they move the ball around. Mm. They're just—they're brilliant to watch. And I think Stephen Robinson deserves an immense amount of praise for the job that he's done there. Because if you remember what Motherwell were like when he kind of came in, mm-hmm. a lot of people were saying, "Oh, they're just a team of bruisers," you know, and they're too physical and uh, stuff. JJ said fresh freezers one time <laughs> last season. But but they were like that, and and now again just as a, as a kind of neutral watching a Motherwell game I'm just like this is fantastic Like they're just they're so good to watch uh, it's lovely passing move football it's obviously been worked in the training ground
2: and it's uh, remarkable <laughs> that Robinson has gone from doing a like fridge freezer hoofball coaching that well <laughs> fridge freezer hoofball that's what it was they were just units going up you know Curtis meaning that yeah. and he's totally turned it around did it uh, what did we say in January I think it was I'm sure it was January changed it around uh, and they are fun to watch. They've got lots of flair players, lots of skill, but they are, of course, organised defensively, which is the first thing. But that probably helps, having been hoofball for so long. Yeah. You could, It naturally feeds into being quite good going forward. It'd be lovely if they could keep it up, but all it needs is a... I mean, look, remember just how well Hearts did at the start of last season and sure. then it started to fall away. Sure. It could just be one of those. But they do look good for... Where they are just now.
0: Well, as Lee Price just told us, only Celtic games have seen more goals than Motherwell games this season. They are the new entertainers, and the man who's bagging them is Liam Donnelly, joint top scorer of the Premiership. He's been great, and also
1: I think it was Seedorf's goal at the. What a the rocket! Weekend. It's just, I mean,
0: what a <laughs> that was like a standalone. Like I pressed a button. That's, That's like, a, like a pro. What Eagle. a rocket!
1: Yeah. It's
0: Seedorf. Brilliant from Sherwin Seedorf Outstanding finishing there from the Dutchman.
1: I mean just the fact that you can even say the sentence Sedorf scores a screamer for Motherwell yeah, like, is amazing. Exactly. But I just I love a goal that smashes in off the underside of the crossbar like that. Just the noise that makes yeah. it makes is so satisfying. What about Ross County? We said that their game with
0: St Mirren would tell us a lot about where both sides are. It was a 92nd minute winner from Marcus Fraser for Ross County.
1: I I didn't think there were much between them I, I thought St Mirren were going to they were kind of unlucky not to take a point out of that game there wasn't a huge amount of difference between them I, I thought it was actually quite a decent game and it, you know, it was um, McGuinness hit the bar twice or the, yeah, the post in right. the bar yeah. so it was pretty tight I think in this game though I'd still fancy Motherwell to, to come out on top
2: Yeah, Russ Coutney had to tighten up for that last game because they were done in quick spells with the last two games Aberdeen and um, Livingston so I think the key was to make sure that they didn't get just done straight away with St Mirren uh, possession was largely shares A lot of fouls mm-hmm. But that's probably good They're just on to break up play Because if they're getting done On the counter so often You want to b- make sure You're breaking it up Maybe at halfway Or just slightly deeper So you're not letting them Get into your final third With you just dis- In disarray We'll say <laughs> But yeah Last minute goal That's what you want
0: Love those I think it'll be an interesting game I think it'll be an exciting game as well Livingston versus Aberdeen at the Tony Macaroni next Fourth versus fifth um, Livingston suffered Their first defeat Of the season At Ibrox last Saturday Despite taking
2: the lead Aye uh, That was uh, When the penalty Was scored just after half time yeah. It was about 48 minutes Or something like that Yeah I was thinking oh, Yeah I know you- That could be one of those because
0: obviously Rangers were just off the back of a, a defeat to Celtic. International exactly. break, sold them down. You didn't know Livingston could take advantage here. But they they came. Rangers came back into it.
1: Um, they're very well set up, Livy. But I I do, It's interesting just following this straight after we've talked about Motherwell, how they're so good to watch, especially as a neutral. I've got to be honest, I find Livy quite turgid to watch at times. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're just... It, it, uh, kind they of damning them with faint praise. But and I, when you I, say it at times, you mean during the 19 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. But I mean, it's and I, I get apologies to Livy fans and also to fans of Elton. Look at the results, though. It doesn't but matter, yeah. It's like if you if you're watching the Premier League uh, and it's a match with say like Burnley or someone like that I'm just like it's just there's not I feel like there's not much in it for the neutral but then like we're saying JJ like fair play to them to find this level of consistency at the top level having only just come up you know the season before last and I mean fair play to them but I just I find the matches a bit of a grind to watch they, they
0: make the best of what they've got and yeah. I think that's there's nothing wrong in that but they don't have Lyndon Dykes Your this favourite? weekend yeah well yeah I, I tipped him to do well but I think he's actually done better than expected but he's out because he gets sent off at Ibrooks. two wins two defeats one draw for Aberdeen Bit of a stuttering start to the season, no?
2: It's a weird one. We've talked about them maybe tr- struggling to get the team gelled together, but they've had a couple of injuries just recently. Um, Fundo Ojo is out for about three months, I reckon. And yeah, uh, Derek McInnes has called this the worst injury crisis in his time at the club. Craig Bryson went straight up a tunnel after the last game with an ankle injury. So mm. it's taken him to, this long to get back, and he's come, and he looked furious, went up the tunnel. McInnes looked wound up as he, as he went, the, went up the tunnel. Uh, the last game against In Johnston was horrible the worst standard of football and it's not because Aberdeen were particularly bad because St Johnson made them look so bad by being equally horrible there would have been the same number of short passes had that game been played on Bouncy Castle or like on the beach or something with deep sand they were just launching it and St Johnson were getting really good chances by sitting waiting waiting for Aberdeen to run out of ideas something McKenna was speaking about is that they were just they didn't have the patience they must be working on this how to break this down break down the low block it's, every team will work on it in training but then if you <laughs> if then you, you go like oh, this is taking too long boys. let's just launch it in charge like it doesn't work right and then St Johnson are picking them off that's how they scored just on the counter straight through McKenna's moaned about the defending but it's always more a case that they got caught out on the break so what do we think about th- this game then the, the potential result absolutely no idea like Livy are really hard to play against they will do exactly the same as St Johnson make it hard to break down Aberdeen are going to be tasked With breaking them down And now they're missing Like Ojo to hold it to the back Bryson looked really good At running about And doing stuff In the last game
0: But then you've got You know Aberdeen have been Better at home I think they've won Two of their home games well, last and se- So they're unbeaten at home but last season they're, they're actually were- the best team at home I know that's only three um, games But last season
2: you know. They were great away And it was at home They were struggling So You'd think they'd get a, a result away But let's see Connor McLennan play Because I think he makes things happen When he's on Next up St Mirren versus Hamilton and Paisley What a game! Here we go! I hope there's some rock music below this now
0: (laughs) All five, let's get into it, let's get into it This is the one we've all been waiting for All five of St Mirren's Premiership games have been decided by one goal That's what we like to hear, tight affairs, tight margins Long balls! (laughs) Uh, One win and four defeats for the buddies
1: What's going to happen? Who knows? Nobody knows. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I shockingly think this might be quite a tight affair. Um, <laughs> I, I I think I do think St. Mirren at home actually they they've looked all right. I I know the results haven't been great for St. Mirren but every time I've seen bits of their games, I'm like they look they look all right. They look way more organised than they did last year. I have a theory about this game, right?
2: I think Brian Rice is is going to believe that he can do a number on St. Mirren by going and attacking them because they'll think they'll set up quite defensive. Because they're not playing Celtic this week. <laughs> <laughs> they but they, they held Celtic the like, really well, by well, the yeah, way. They, yeah, they, the, they, they definitely parked the bus. That's so they, they can do that, right? So I think he'll maybe just try and park it for like five, ten minutes and slow down that huge St. Mirren crowd and keep it like there and then just go and try and do a number on them. But by doing that, St. Mirren a lot better than last season and they'll end up... Scoring on the counter a few times Maybe yeah. like two And they'll we'll get third later so on well done, So St Mirren will score a few goals Right By account of sitting back And trying to make it a nil-nil game Whereas Hamilton will try to make it a high scoring game And end up scoring none So my It's weird all theory. set
0: up to be a tight affair But you're saying it could be 4-3 or something like that
1: Yeah <laughs> it Could be a chaos game I, but, I, th- I think it'll be There was a game towards the tail end of last season where I think it was one of the worst games of the season. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was decided by like a rotten penalty decision. I'm pretty sure that might happen again. Well, yes.
0: listen, one thing from last season about Hamilton, as much as we didn't know what, what Hamilton were, you, JJ,
2: were quite a huge critic of Gary Woods. That's because he was
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> But Owen Fawn Williams, who signed the season from, McCallie well, Thistle, it turns out, he was in a... The team called Indy 11 who of course we all know about they play in the second division of like soccer in America oh the so, NESL NESL yeah, of so. course we all knew that so uh, yeah he's <laughs> but he's been really good but he's been great between the sticks at everything shot stopping distribution catching the ball I'm no goalkeeper coach But I know that he's stopped far more than Gary Wood did. He's got some decent pedigree. He's played international football with Wales.
0: Um, And interestingly enough, he's quite the oil painter. Is that right? Yes. I found this out today doing my research uh, about Mr. Owen Vaughan Williams because I knew how big a fan you were. Uh, Big fan of oil painting. He's actually um, sold some of his work to the National Gallery of Wales. That's, great. Wow. That's pretty impressive, yeah, right? Impressive.
2: Self-taught as well. He could paint a massive oil painting of himself in goal uh-huh. and hang it up between the posts, like uh, in a Roadrunner cartoon. But he's he's not he's not about <laughs> him. deny goals.
0: He's an artist. He's not about him. Although I know artists do self-portraits, but he's not about him. Yeah, but this it's, is for cunning. There's actually a really nice. It's actually a really good um, painting he's done of just this old man with daffodils. Um, he's holding daffodils at this, like just it's just white the sky golden daffodils it's actually quite nice i hate art though it's perfect shit. to talk
2: about paintings on a podcast isn't it yeah uh, but let's lead on and ask do you have any hidden
0: talents i don't know why i said all of that. My,
2: none of mine are hidden i just do them and put you, them on youtube you and... can draw <laughs> you can kind of draw sort of sort of with <laughs> some cartoons i did i made a cartoon last year like a 22 minute south park style cartoon did you no well you, ever... d- you
0: did the seagull for um yeah uh... i've done a
2: lot of stuff yeah and, uh, Hi, I made a 22 minute cartoon No one seems to realise how hard that was No one in the UK's ever done that To be fair all- t-
0: To <laughs> anyone who's listening to this JJ has never brought this up
2: Never brought it up That's why
0: nobody's watched it uh, Maybe yeah. Finn yeah. I know you have uh, Unbelievable Talent for accents <laughs> That's true I-, I-, I kind of think That you're not
1: even Scottish You just put it on Just for us No my, <laughs> na- my name's actually William And I'm from Oxford And we're not for the United fans That is
0: freaky man <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just one like he pulls them out okay that's all we've got time for thanks JJ thank you to Finn thanks to the little kicks for our tune and thanks to you for listening we'll be back next Friday get your red cards ready
1: it's Rangers v Aberdeen you've been listening to the totally Scottish football show a muddy knees media production for sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.